Will Equestrian Podcast. We're here bridging the gap between riding and wellness, discussing topics related to mindset, fitness, nutrition, and community. Our mission is to promote health and happiness through our love of horses. I'm Emily Hamill, a four-star level eventer, dedicated practitioner of yoga, Pilates, and meditation, personal development enthusiast, and plant-strong athlete, and I'm recording this from my home in Pennsylvania. And I am Tyler Held. I'm a professional groom and a mental toughness coach, a lifelong learner in the areas of mindset, positive thinking, and motivation. I am also a practitioner of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and daily meditation, sitting right next to my lovely co-host, Emily Hamill. And fun fact, we are recording this in front of a live studio audience today, so expect laughter. (laughs) Excellent. (laughs) Maybe. Or coughing, one or the other. Anywho, um, if you haven't listened to the podcast before, welcome. And if you have, welcome back. As we said in our intro, our mission is to promote health and happiness through our love of horses. And we do this by discussing topics related to our four pillars, mindset, fitness, nutrition, and community. In our main episodes, which we release once a month, we talk about goal setting, books, 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 the main topic, listener questions, and actionable advice. We've also released a few guest episodes, so be sure to check those out. Yeah, our most recent guest episode is a really fun conversation we had um, with Natasha, the COO of Schrider, which is the platform which you can host and find clinics on to sign up for. Um, And they were doing a featured clinician series through the USEA and um, writing an article about us. And Natasha had a great idea to just go ahead and record the interview that we did um, for the article. So if you haven't checked that out, be sure it's on all of our um, podcasts platforms and also go to the USEA and check out the article that she did because I think she I think she did a great job I mean we may be a little biased we're never humble here at the whole equestrian no and speaking of not being humble do we have any new reviews wow we got a great five-star review from um Sarah Levo and she said this has quickly become one of my favorite podcasts The hosts are funny, intelligent, and provide awesome equestrian and wellness content. I binged the first 15 episodes during the start of quarantine, and I'm so grateful that I had Emily and Tyler to listen to during that stressful, uncertain time. Keep up the good work, heart. Love it. Wow. That's great. And at some point, we just have to, like... I don't know. It's just, this is bad that we always kind of boost ourselves up at the beginning of the episode. I mean, if someone hasn't listened before, maybe it will entice them to continue right. on and be like, don't turn it off. Tyler and Emily start to babble on in the beginning about like strange goals and books and. But it comes around. But it's entertaining. It is. So stay tuned. All right. So our next section is our word of the year and goals. And I guess we'll just jump right into that. All right, let's let's hear about that word of the year, Emily. Okay, so my word of the year is believe, and I've talked about this in great length in previous episodes. <laughs> the word of the year is like, I was thinking, gotta spice it up a little bit. It's getting like a little, I think two yeah. episodes in a row, I said the same thing about the word yeah. connection, but... I have something new to add. What's to your take word? on believe? Okay, so believe, that's my word. All right, and... Actually, my friend and barn mate, Sid, um, brought this sign to my attention, and I'd kind of, like, seen it. It's one of those lawn signs that she put up, Uh and I forget exactly how it came up in conversation, but she was like, have you seen this? And then I was like, oh, uh, I think so, but I never really read it because it's a lot of words on a sign, and you're driving by. So she sent me a picture of it. And I just thought it was really a great sign, and it ties into my words. So it says, in this home, we believe black lives matter. Women's rights are human rights. No human is illegal. Science is real. Love is love. No matter your faith or ability, kindness is everything. So that's what I feel. I love it. I believe that. I love it. That's my addition to my word of the year. So. Excellent. There you go. How about them goals, Emily? Goals. Um, haven't really checked things off, just making progress okay. on things. So the biggest thing is that I have finished the first module of my yoga teacher training, which was, in my opinion, like the hardest 
Um, it was all about anatomy and alignment. And so it was very detailed. It was interesting. I mm -hmm. liked it. But um, it was just a lot of terminology to have to like remember and then be able to it back out basically yeah and with the testing and um like it was very good I'm glad that that was a big section but um they said at the start it would take two to three months and it took me two months so like I feel okay about that that's good that's good and um yeah so now I am on to the second module which is all about vinyasa sequencing and the subtle body so like chakras and stuff mm -hmm. which I'm oh, really interested in learning and like I've started that um we're basically on the sequencing part, but it's, to me, a lot more interesting just because it's actually about the teaching aspect, and mm -hmm. that's what I like. You know, like, the anatomy is great, but, like, I want to learn how to be a better teacher, and I really think that some of it's going to cross over to my instruction in riding lessons. I love that. Yeah, so um, stay tuned, but... Making progress. Haven't checked anything off. What about you? 2020, man. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start with some goals because I've got kind of like a segue from your talk of okay. anatomy. Um, and I know I talked last month about getting to attend a biomechanics lecture, which yes. is my goal of going to a bodywork seminar. Um, and it was really, really super fascinating because. Like basically she would go through like one part of the horse and get like really into the nitty gritty of the anatomy. And then it's like, that's what allows your horse to go round. Or like, that's what allows your horse to like step under itself and like go into like true elevation. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting. The course was actually like, you could get USDF like judging certification for going. So it was really like, developing your eye to see like how horses move which I think is like really powerful for me because I don't know I've obviously like been in the horse industry for a long time I've ridden horses I've groomed for horses like done all this stuff but I'm never like I'm never quite sure what to hone in on like when I'm looking like is this horse round or yeah. is this horse not round and so having these like anatomical landmarks of like okay like this part of the horse should be higher than this yeah. part like if it's in like true elevation or like even just like slight adjustments to the pole of like how right. it's tilting understanding the framework beneath that which is like obviously like the bones and ligaments and structures that are working yeah. for me who's like such a science-based person it really helps me visualize that better yeah. um and it, I, i've definitely found a difference of like how I'm looking at the horses when I'm work. I do a lot of pessoaing for Jenny um, and like working the horses from the ground. That's a great opportunity to like see how the horse is doing. And I've actually been like kind of playing around with the pessoa a bit more of, okay, well, this horse isn't like quite coming through. So I kind of adjust the settings and um, work from there. And then also just like watching her lessons and stuff, I feel a little bit more engaged because I have like, again, those specific things to focus on. So I could see how that would be really helpful. It was really beneficial. Yeah. Um, so that was one of my goals. And then um, I'm actually my my word of the year kind of ties into my goals. I had a goal of um, I was looking at my my 20 goals for 2020 because, again, like kind of threw a lot of them out the window. But um, one of them was sending thank you cards. And I did a few recently um, for a few people I didn't. I, I have one for you. I forgot it today. Sure. Yep. Okay. I do. I Emily I was got about me. To say, where's my thank you? Card? Emily got me this fantastic karaoke microphone for my birthday, so that I could do karaoke anytime. She and wants. so anytime she is, you know, ready to be hired. It like hooks up to your phone, and you just like have a microphone that you can like sing karaoke. The speaker is in the microphone, so like literally possibilities are endless for karaoke now. And if you know me, like that's pretty exciting. Um, but yeah, so sending thank you cards really made me feel more connected with the people that I sent thank you cards to because yeah. I was like, wow, like this is just like a really sweet, simple thing to do to like tell people that you care about them. And, um, you know, simple things don't require a lot of money, a lot of effort. I think I bought like a pack of thank you cards for $4 at TJ yeah. Maxx. Also got this really amazing avocado blanket while I was there. What did you just say? <laughs> avocado. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> she needs to be corrected, people. If you hear her say avocado, please. Okay, well, the avocados it. are boxing and working out. Okay, 
Okay, what is this again? It's a blanket. It's a fuzzy blanket. Okay. That Avocado sheets? I do, yeah, that are wearing sombreros yeah, and well, inner addition. tubes. So. This is a great addition. It's a really fuzzy blanket. I love fuzzy blankets. so get onto that topic? Because I was at TJ Maxx oh, right, buying right. thank you cards. Like, we just went down a weird path. Um, <laughs> I, love, I love discussing strange things on, on the podcast. So, yeah, um, I don't know. I've got other goals that I'm working on just day I mean, to we're day just surviving 2020 present moment yeah stuff just really living in the moment because the future is uncertain so just enjoy the process and enjoy the day and i feel like i've been doing that like extra good <laughs> extra good extra good perfect that's what we aim for here at the whole equestrian doing things extra the good whole equestrian extra good <laughs> love it what's All it right. what's the time for emily books 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 <laughs> Come on. Books, books, books. <laughs> that was really bad. That was horrible. Anyway, you guys know what time it is. It's books, books, books time. It is I haven't been time. reading a terrible amount of books, books, books. Maybe that's when my I'm usually really enthusiastic about yeah, this section. Yeah, you have like five, and I'm like, Tyler, cut it down. <laughs> you can't talk about five different books. It's going to take up the whole show. Um, but yeah, now I feel like I may be out reading you, at least as far as books. I know you're reading a lot for your... Um, doctoral program. Yes. But that's slightly different. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, that's good. Um, so I guess I will start. Yes, then. go for it, Emily. Um, I am currently reading, I'm kind of reading two books at the same time because. Why not? Why not? There's no rules about reading. Mm-hmm. I um, did make one for myself last year about <laughs> only reading one book at a time, yeah. but if you don't make arbitrary rules that you're setting for yourself, there yeah. is really no rules. I like. You know, I like nonfiction a lot, mm-hmm. but sometimes you just need some fiction in your life. Yeah, so, that's fair. Um, I am reading 1984 by George Orwell, so that's a very classic dystopian novel. Um, and I can't believe I haven't read it before now. I, I actually, just, I'm trying to think if I have, and I don't think that I it's have. It's referenced a lot, and so like I just feel like it was one of those things I was like, well, I should read it. I feel and like that was English 11, and I skipped English 11. You were too smart for that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, sure did. So anyways, I am enjoying it just because it's something different. Um, it's all about Big Brother who's constantly watching everybody, and it's like this terrible world, and I would never want to live in it because um, basically nobody has any real human rights, and it's just okay. like... So that's actual, like, really, like, dystopian. Yeah. Yes, very dystopian. and But there's also, like, some romance built into it Mm. so yeah but it was interesting because today I was listening to NPR and there was this interview with like a random author nothing to do with this book but I just happened to tune in when he was explaining the problem with dystopian novels and um, he was just like oh it makes the reader glad that they aren't living in that kind of world Mm -hmm. so then they're just like oh thank god I don't live in that and they just kind of settle for what they have versus he writes utopian novels and he just thinks that's a much better way to, like, encourage people to want more, you know? You know, it's like uh, like the happiness advantage and positive psychology of, you know, during dark times, like, people want to hear positive things, yeah. not negative. Yeah, so maybe not the most positive book, but it's interesting. Okay. But, um... You're, you're positive enough. Like, yeah. you, you can handle... I can handle it. I can handle a little darkness. But, um... <laughs> anyway, so that's that. I'm also reading the talent. What is yeah. my problem? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I can't say avocado, but you can't say talent or challenges. I don't know. It must be like a Wisconsin. Wisconsin thing. And um, I have really tried not to pick up that accent, but there's hints of it. Um, so anyway, the talent code by Daniel Coyle, and it was recommended to me. Um, by my show jump coach Richard Pickens, so shout out to him right there. Good work, Richard. Um, and I am not that far into it, but it's really interesting. Um, its little tagline is "Greatness isn't born; it's grown." Here's how. So it just breaks down different ways um, that you can become talented, even if you're not like naturally. I need it. Born talented. That's me. So. What I'm reading right now is all about 
um, kind of the neurobiology of like talent and acquiring skills and stuff. And it's, I know you've talked about this before, but it's really going into depth about like the myelin sheath. Mm -hmm. Yep. And so how as you do things, like the more you do things, the more myelin is built up. Yep. You're forging that pathway in your brain. And so like I knew that, but I didn't know all the details. Um, So not that this is giving me all the details, but I feel like I have a deeper knowledge. Right. Um, but there is this really interesting quote, and it kind of hit home to me about how important building that myelin is. And it says, um, to sum up, it's time to rewrite the maxim that practice makes perfect. The truth is, practice makes myelin, and myelin makes perfect. And myelin operates by a few fundamental principles. Didn't need to read that last sentence. That is... <laughs> but anyway, the point is, myelin is always <laughs> perfect. So there you go. Um, it's an interesting book. It's like, so far, a good read. I can go into more depth maybe next month as I drop my phone. So, um, what have you been reading, Tyler? Like I said, um, a lot of research articles and sporadic, like, here's a page out of this textbook, and I've been pulling, like, it's actually really fun um, to have, like, my bookshelf of all the nonfiction that I read through last year because, like, I'll be working on an article, and I'm like, oh, like, um, I just did an ed advocacy plan for my ethics class about concussion management Mm -hmm. and I read a few books on concussions last year and I was like oh I'll just pull those out and like you know pull some of the lines that like I remember from them so that's been cool to like reinforce concepts that I like maybe breezed through last year as I was reading books at such a high pace um but I actually want to bring up one of the textbooks that I'm reading right now because like it's like a textbook but like it's not like it, Emily's looking at it yeah. right now. It looks like a normal it book, right? It just looks right? like a big book, it's, but not that big. It's not that big. Like it's a big regular book. A big regular book. Um, and what's interesting about it? So it's just called Applied Sports Psychology: Personal Growth to Peak Performance, and each chapter is basically by like a different author. So it's not like, it's just like a collection of research articles maybe, but I don't know. I don't find it to be as dense as research. It's really like, here's a concept about sports psychology. Like, let me take you through like the the tools and tricks of it. So I think it would be really good for someone who's interested in sports psychology and like wants to know a little bit more about it. Like um, the first chapter is motor skill learning for effective sport performance. So like just learning some of the mechanics behind like how people learn a skill Um, There's a chapter on like self-hypnosis, there's a chapter on self-talk and um, leadership style. So like it's got really everything in here Um, and I just, it's really easy to read. And again, like if you went through and just like read a chapter every now and again, like don't, you know, force yourself to read it cover to cover or anything, just like take little nuggets out of there. It's probably fun that there's different authors. So it's like, if you don't like how one person presents something like oh then you have another person to look forward to exactly in the next chapter exactly um cool. yeah and I'm reading like another book about motivational interviewing which is a concept in yeah. um like counseling relationships mm-hmm. where you um pretty much like are asking really open-ended questions and like not you know like you basically make people formulate their own decisions um and the open-ended question thing is great. Like, I've used it, like, as just, like, a leader in the barn. Like, instead of, like, telling someone to do, asking an open-ended question and be like, okay, so, like, or if you're if you're frustrated with the order that someone's doing something and I'm like, okay, so why did you do that first? It's not like, you know, hey, you're wrong. Yeah. It's like having a conversation with someone. I think that's a really good tip. Because yeah. it's, like, people are going to do things differently and it might not be how you do them. But yeah. But if you ask them about what they're thought processes like why do you do it that way no judgment right yeah and then like you might find that like you can see it their way or you can like say well what about this like talk about your concerns well what about this and let them then address your concern right um and I just think too like uh, um it wasn't even the book but I was thinking about like motivational interviewing in terms of like how you interact with your own thoughts and self-talk and like ask yourself some open-ended questions okay like why am I thinking about this right now I tend to do that a lot yeah yeah that's that sounds like a good read yeah I really like that and uh, definitely think it will be helpful moving forward in you know my 
doctor hell future. Yeah, which is happening, my people. second life. We're going to have a doctor on this podcast. Oh, baby. Docking Crocs. <laughs> Crocs are my favorite footwear for those who are unaware, and I yes. have seven pairs. This is not a lie, people. And she often wants to wear those Crocs with things that maybe you shouldn't wear Crocs with. I think Crocs look great with dresses. That is debatable. I think I'm going to be, have you seen those memes that like someone's sitting at um, a table and it says like, change my mind. It's like, it says something and then it says, change my mind. No. Okay. Well, it's really funny. They'll be like, um, barn work is just farm CrossFit. Change my mind. Like something like that. So I'll be like, Crocs look good with dresses. Change my mind. And I'll sit at a table and see what the results are. Okay. Do it. Deal. I would love that. Deal. That sounds um, fun. Wow, I just completely ruined. We had a really good segue into our main topic when we were talking about like about leadership right. and motivational interviewing, and then I just talked about Crocs, but we're going to go into Bring effective leadership Bring anyway. <laughs> we're going to learn how to effectively lead this conversation into in the, the main topic, which is effective leadership. Direction. Yeah. So. So. Here we go. Emily, we're ready. What does it mean to be an effective leader in your own words? In my own words, uh, to me, it's the perfect mix of confidence and humility. Okay. So you need someone that's like strong and, um, well, confident yeah. in themselves. And, and then, but they also need to have enough humility that they realize that they don't know everything. Yeah. Like they might know a lot of things, but you have to have that humbleness to you okay. so that you don't just become like this arrogant leader. Because right. we'll get into the reasons later, yeah. but to me, that makes for a more approachable leader. Right. So okay. what about you? What do you think an effective leader well, is? Well, I asked you what an effective leader was in your own words, and so I'm going to be completely candid that... Okay. These words are not my own words. Oh, okay. I googled what an effective leader is. Okay. And, like, you know, like, the first sentence that comes up that's, like, not actually an article. It's just, like, Google, like, defining what an right. effective leader It said, a person with a passion for a cause that is larger than they are. Yeah. And I was like, wow. Like, that is, to me, what it means to be a leader. Um, and there's another quote that says something of, like, you know, don't do what you think is practical. Do it sets your heart on fire because the world needs more people with their hearts set on fire. Yeah. And I'm like, that's what I want. In a, an effective leader is someone that's so passionate about what they're doing that you're not even questioning the fact that you're following them. You're just like, wow, you are so... so... cults happen. Oh, <laughs> that's a turn. <laughs> are you kidding? <laughs> to be an effective leader be a be a cult leader this is not what i was saying but (laughs) (laughs) anyway yes i don't know a a person who has a passion for a cause that's large like you know like you want yes people you want to follow someone because it's like wow like they seem to like know what they're doing and are passionate good intentions right not like bad cult leader intentions yes yes okay that's great. That was unscripted. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so there you have it. That is what we think about effective leaders. Um, but now we're going to get a little more in depth and talk about what we think the five key traits of effective leadership are. So to me, I would, I kind of think this might be the most important. Okay. I don't know. We can revisit it after we talk about the five points, but I'm just going to say I think communication is key. Should we list the five or are we going to like roll them out? We're going to roll them out. So okay. number one. Okay, number one. got to keep people on the hook. All right, number one, communication. Okay. Um, and with this, being clear. Uh, again, clear. What else can I say? Like, just be clear. Effectively yes. lead this conversation, yeah. Emily. Okay, so I'm going to effectively lead this. So people 
can only remember so much when you're talking to someone. Right. So you need to choose your words wisely. And I think great leaders and also like great speakers put the time into that and they are clear about what is most important and they're able to relay that. Um, and I'm sure we've all been in a situation with a, you know, whether it's a boss, a trainer, what have you, where maybe you don't understand what they want from you or what the goal is or anything like that. Um, so again, it's having, being able to communicate with, if we're doing like a hierarchy, right? Mm -hmm. So like the, the person at the top with the people on the bottom, there has to be an open line of communication. Um, and just so, and I think we'll get into this a little bit later, but the leader needs to be um, approachable enough that the people below them feel like they can have those conversations. And also I think it's important for leaders, you know, when they're directing people to make sure that they get a verbal um, confirmation from the person that they understand. Right. You know. Um, so yeah, I think that's, that's part of it. What about you? Um, I think another huge part of it is just the style of communication that you're using. Um, obviously, like people tend to communicate in different ways. Some people are really positive. Some people are really negative. I think that theme kind of goes through a lot of these principles for effective leadership. Um, being able to motivate people in a positive way and instill confidence in them as you're communicating with them instead of, you know, like using fear as a tactic to communicate. Um, that's really important. Um, leadership is like a call to action. So it's like your job to foster a climate of trust where you can feel like you're, you know, having a conversation with someone instead of just saying like, hey, I'm in charge. Like, and barking orders. And barking orders. Yeah. It's, it's got to be a symbiotic relationship. It's got to be mutually beneficial. The people that you are wanting to lead to something, like they, you need to instill purpose. We talk a lot about, about purpose on this podcast. Like if you want someone to follow you and do what you want them to do, they have to know the reason why they're doing it. Um, it goes back to that example of, you know, three people are doing the same job building a house and, and one guy is just laying bricks and um, I forget what the second thing is, but like the last guy's like, oh, I'm building a temple um, and like just knowing what the purpose behind everything that you're doing, like incorporating that into your communication with people as you're delegating tasks so that they just feel really lit up and it's not it's not like a fight it's a let's hey how can we work together to make something great here yeah and i also think going along with that effective leaders can kind of instill the importance of even the small activities like you were saying laying bricks that's a small part of a big thing of mm -hmm. building a temple where like say in a barn cleaning stalls yes it's a menial task but it, it's important right like right. it's part of the bigger picture it's taking care of the horses so that they can perform at their best and um that sort of thing so yeah yeah that's a concept of like you engage in an uninteresting task to be able to engage in an interesting one so really like approaching those uninteresting tasks with the purpose and the motivation and like letting people kind of make their own decisions of like oh yeah like I actually really want to do this because it will lead to x y and z yeah good I'm gonna change the order up a little bit okay go for it so Emily. our number two now because I think that this kind of goes into the communication with the people our number two trait is empathy okay and um, going back to, you know, some people like to lead with an iron fist, right? That's probably not the most effective way to lead people because then you're not necessarily thinking of those, your followers. I don't know if that would be the right word, but <laughs> that sounds subordinates. Um, <laughs> that sounds, uh, nothing. I don't know. Just 
<laughs> the people that you're leading, let's go with that. Um, you want to view them and understand that they are real human beings. They're not just there to do the work for you, right? Like you need to engage with your the, the people, whether um, you're, you're a boss in the workplace or you're the trainer at a barn or head of the household, you know, whatever. Like there's lots of different leadership um, spaces, but you need to really think about the other people as having their own lives and joys and struggles and growth um, kind of their paths in life, I think, is yeah. really important. So being able to empathize with people's situation. Yeah, and I think that too, like something that happens a lot in um, like the horse world especially is someone like, I mean, we're just, there's no going around the fact that there are quite a few examples of ineffective leaders in this industry as there are in any industry really but someone who's experienced the rule of an ineffective leader mm -hmm. might go kind of try to be like overly empathetic to their staff and just be like oh like it's all fine and daisy but then like internalize um the stuff that they don't like and want to improve so being able to be empathetic to your staff as like okay like i don't want to you know, inflict the same mental trauma that I've had inflicted on me, you know, just based on like certain things, but also finding a way to, again, going back to the first, communicate properly. Yes. I think those two do really tie into each other. And being able to have hard conversations in an empathetic way. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you want to be empathetic, but you also if you're running a business or something, like there's also some, um, it, like you were saying, it just, you, you have to have that line where it's not just all empathy and people kind right. of take advantage of that. You still have to have the strength um, to be able to call people out in a nice way, yeah. but um, in a compassionate way, but you have to be able to both sides of that like neither one of us are parents but I imagine like this is like a good analogy of um you love your children and like you clearly like want what's best for them but like they still can't eat ice cream before they eat dinner mm -hmm. and so like being able to be empathetic and be like you know like I'm not I don't hate you but you're this not, not getting ice cream before dinner yeah. <laughs> I love you and that's why you're not getting ice cream before exactly exactly it's a it's a, like it's a hard line too like i i find it like i'm like oh well like i don't want to be mean so i get so, so self-conscious and then like you just don't say anything right not effective leadership no because then that harbors some resentment right right eventually yeah, yeah, yeah. and then that comes out in really weird non-effective ways yes so i think that might actually pull us into Number three, consistency. Again, I'm okay. changing up the order. That's fine. Here, I'm, but I'm I up think for it, that Emily. Consistency goes with that. Yeah. You want to touch on that? Um, just being like really clear with like what your expectations are, and I actually. I have a quote that I put under another subheading, but I think it kind of relates to all of them. So I'm just gonna read that right now, if sure. that's okay with you, Emily. That is Okay, so this comes from um, Extreme Ownership, which is a Navy SEAL book that I've, I think I referenced quite a bit um, yes. on the podcast, but I this quote came to my mind immediately when um, we were doing the Effective Leadership episode because I was talking to a younger professional who was managing working students for the first time, mm -hmm. and she was like, I just like, I don't really know, like, this girl is lazy, she's doing, like, X, Y, and Z, and I, I sent her this quote because I'm like, I think this is really important for you to understand, and it says, when leaders who epitomize extreme ownership drive their teams to achieve a higher standard of performance, they must recognize that it, when it comes to standards, as a leader, it's not what you preach, it's what you tolerate. When setting expectations, no matter what has been said or written, if substandard performance is accepted and no one is held accountable, if there are no consequences, that poor performance becomes the new standard. Therefore, leaders must enforce standards. Consequences for 
failing need not be immediately severe, but leaders must ensure that tasks are repeated until the higher expected standard is achieved. Leaders must push the standard in a way that encourages and enables the, the team to utilize extreme ownership. I like that. Yeah, like definitely being consistent of if this is the expectation that you have for someone and their performance, don't let it slide beneath that and then just come back and be like, well, this isn't what I wanted because you've been tolerating a lower standard for the whole time. So if like, if you have standards, like they just need to be consistently enforced and it's not enforced in a negative way. It's not enforced in a like, you're a terrible person. Why would you even do this this way type of thing? But like just... And you lead by, well, that's, I'm getting ahead of myself. Yeah, I'm getting ahead of myself. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's great. And then again, it goes back to these things all kind of They do together. really. It's just but all one. It's that five and one. Clear communication, setting, saying what those standards are, right? I mean, yep. like you need to be able to verbalize that and make it known or have it written down um I think a lot of times in barns like there's not that clear communication Mm -hmm. so then it's hard to go back to the like staying consistent staying consistent because nothing's ever really been spelled out yeah I agree Um, I've been on the end of that yes going along with consistency as a leader you know you want to be present for your team and show up and whether that's like show up in the flesh you know like say you're in the barn I think if you're running a barn you probably should be in the barn most days right but like again we only work in the barn so it's a little hard to say in a work scenario but um say you're working remote like you're still going to show up even if it's virtually you know know, checking in with your emails and you know being stay present and there's a certain response rate that's expected and like communicating with yeah. your clients or you know anything yes you got to be there you got to do the things and also I think good leaders have a consistent um check on their emotion right? okay yep uh I, it can't again it can't always be like rainbows and unicorns right um but I think it's really hard to get on board with a leader who one minute they're up, the next minute they're down. And it's not that you can't have those little fluctuations, but if you feel like you're walking around on eggshells and you don't know which kind of leader you're getting, that is um, doesn't create a good atmosphere. Well, and it's just like anything, like, you know, with practice or nutrition or fitness, it's it's the consistency that breeds results. Mm-hmm. So the same thing is with leadership, like it being consistently present, available and like setting your standards on the same level, no yo-yoing effect. That's what creates results. Yes. Cool. Number Number four, four, which you almost jumped into. I, I didn't actually say it, though. Oh, you didn't. And Number I kind of like... is lead by example. <laughs> uh, so leaders set the tone for whatever setting they are in charge of, right? So whether that's a barn, work, home, lots of places you can be a leader. Uh, it really... People notice your actions, and they notice your inactions as well. Um, So just being aware, and nobody's perfect, but you need to, like if you expect your um, worker to do something a certain way, but say you're working that day, like in a barn, you know, like so for me, I have some really great girls that work for me, but I also show up and like work. Now if I am helping one day because they just need a hand and I am let's say I'm just doing water buckets and I don't take the time to scrub it and they see it if they see me just like fill it without cleaning it like what that doesn't sound yeah. a good example no not and at it all. goes back to the expectations and the standards like you need to live up to those standards so that other people your team also lives up to that yeah I uh and my dad said that he almost, or he was tearing up when he read the section about um, him that I said yeah. in the 
featured clinicians article. So I'm going to call out my dad again because I consider him to be a very successful man. You know, he was in the car industry for a long time. He was a general manager. Several dealerships recruited him to like help them get their dealerships on track. Um, basically like retired into opening a pizza shop that's been like open for a year and a half and it's crazy successful. Um, and you know, what my dad spends every Sunday morning doing is cleaning his pizza shop. And he, you know, we talk to him sometimes he's like, you know, my workers just don't get it. Like sometimes like there, you know, there's dirt on the tables, the bathrooms aren't clean. Like if you don't do that, who's going to, and like, you know, he's always been the one to, uh, we're short staffed today, like out on the lawn, cleaning all the cars that are like, they're trying to sell. Um, it's like, if there's a job, you've got to set, set the example that you're going to go the extra mile to like tend to it. Um, if I'm walking around and I see trash on the barn, like that, like it's your duty as a leader to pick that up so that, you know, everyone around you is thinking like, Oh my God, like it's it's just something so simple, but something that's so walked over these days. Like if there's trash on the ground, pick it up. Right. And I think good leaders know what actually is involved, whether it's um, doing chores in the barn or cleaning cars at a car dealership. Like they've been there, they know the process. I think it can happen where somebody gets in a leadership position, but they haven't done all that bottom work you know so they might not have a a real understanding of like what it takes and then you lose some empathy because you know you're like well this should be a quick job but if they've never actually done it themselves how do they know how much time it's going to take like for me I make a point to um do the barn one day by myself like probably a couple times a month Mm because I want to check in and I want to also give my girls some time off but like I want to see, like, okay, how long should chores reasonably take? And I I can be quite quick, but then I get an understanding of, like, okay, so when we do things to this standard, it should take about this this long, and I just understand how it works, and then I can help guide them in ways um, to make it better, be more efficient, and that sort of thing. And not that, like, everybody has to do that, but you have to have at least a baseline um, I remember when I was working for Philip, it was a couple years ago, we were at a show, it was an away show, and we were packing up to go home, and here's Philip stripping the stall, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it doesn't happen all the time, but like, he's willing, if we've got to get horses home, like, he's chipping in, so yeah. you're never too good to clean a stall. Just so you know. Yeah. No, and I think some of the coolest, yeah. um, the coolest leadership stories are the guy that starts as the janitor of a company and like works his way up to be like a CEO because like that's the person that knows the company inside and out and like knows all the details and just like that attention to detail and knowing what needs to be done to make the company run is what makes them successful as the CEO. Exactly. They understand. So number five, (laughs) number five, we're just losing steam here. No. (laughs) All right. So number five is having a positive approach to leadership. Tyler. Okay. So a positive approach to leadership is being motivating and rewarding in your interactions, um, which we talked a little bit about in communication, but I want to go a little bit more in depth. So, um, on the contrary, a, a negative approach to leadership um, would be using criticism and punishment. Um, and basically, if you're using criticism and punishment, there's only three ways that you're going to be successful, right? Um, if you have like a communication of caring and like people just think that you care about them, that they don't care about the the negative consequences and like quote unquote abuse. Like they, they understand that you're doing it to be, you know, rough on them and motivating. Um, a second would be if you're have a really talented and strong willed athlete, that's not taking the abuse personally. Um, or if you have like really, really high level skilled coaching abilities, but in those cases, you are successful in spite of your negative approach, not because of it. Um, 
it's not it's not the go-to like this is not the way to lead people is with negative and consequences it's about dialing into people's personal motivational strategies knowing what makes them work knowing what lights them up and allowing a positive flow of communication that like works with their own personality Positive. positive it's all about that positive psychology emily it is i'm not going to disagree with that not at all i don't even have anything to add to that wonderful be positive be positive good job be, be consistent yep be empathetic lead by example and communicate that easy people those are the five um so I think we can also apply this. We've talked a little bit about in the barn, but we haven't really touched on how you can be a leader for your horse. And I do believe that these five things can be easily applied to your horse. Okay, Horses thrive on clear communication. Mm-hmm. Um, like they just do. Boom. And nothing else needed nothing there. Nothing else needed. All right. So know what you want. Ask for it get the results or ask again. <laughs> I don't know. Um, empathy. Uh, if, if you're having a problem, you can take that empathetic stance and say, all right, well, maybe, like, why is my horse not understanding this? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Tyler is laughing, and I'm not quite sure why, but um, <laughs> we're going to keep going. So distracting, empathy. Um yeah, just having that ability to to think outside the box a little bit. Like, if something's not working, have some empathy for your horse. Mm-hmm. Try to see if there's something else going on. Um, and also empathy for yourself. Like, if it's not working, maybe you need to find help to solve a problem. Right. Um, and then we went with consistency. Horses in a program do better. Yes. If you're riding your horse once a month, it's really hard to get results. Like, you might have fun, but if you're working towards a goal, um, a consistent program is the way to go. Can I do lead by example and you can expand if you feel like... Okay, so I feel like this is like a really good tie-in to how much we talk about like how... like body awareness and posture like is so important Mm -hmm. in equestrians like if you're crooked in your body your horse is going to be crooked because of the way that you're asking it to perform a task so you have to lead by example like you have to be you know good in your own directions and how you're asking your horse to do something so that they can actually get that communicated to them properly without you know if you're asking them badly and they're answering badly. That's not leading by example. Right. And I also think your mental game of leading by example. Mm-hmm. Because horses pick up on that. Yeah. So um, I guess that ties nicely into positive approach. Yes. Right? Yeah. So again, coming to your rides or your groundwork or whatever you're doing your, with your horse that day, coming in with positive attitude is going to increase the likelihood of your time spent with your horse going well. Although most classical horse training is built on negative reinforcement. That is true. The application of an aid, and then once they go forward, you take off off. the aid. That is negative reinforcement. Okay, but I think mentally you can positively approach it. I like it. I I just, I did want to throw that out there because I was like, that's completely true. It is and maybe that's why so many um, people in the horse industry are so um, keen to use negative reinforcement because that's the pillars of ah, horse that training. Would be a good research topic. I'm I'm in. Yeah. So, all right. So there is a flip side to effective leadership. Yeah. Which would for, be ineffective leadership. Yes. Yeah, so how like how do you as you know, someone who's dealing with a leader deal with ineffective leaders. Um, We actually had a listener reach out about having a trainer who's quick to compliment the horse, but overly critical of them as a rider. And, And basically her question was, how do you deal with people who say negative things to you about your riding? And how are you supposed to improve 
in that climate? And my only answer is you're like, you're not expected to improve in those conditions. Like everything that we talk about on this podcast is about formulating really positive, um, environments like how do you set your day up for success what are you doing when you start your day to set yourself up for success and and that goes into everything who are you surrounding yourself with to set you up for success so if you're truly surrounded by this very negative person who's just constantly critical of you i think it's time to reevaluate your situation right and and unfortunately sometimes like there are you know we take for granted here there's about you could ride with 27 to 30 train I don't know there's probably there's, 40 trainers a in a in, in a four mile radius yeah. um where we are and and not everyone is so lucky that is very true so we do have to be cognizant of that um but I mean if someone is is really like that I can tell you to have an honest conversation with them about the way that they're leading you and um and you know affecting you but there's a solid chance that that someone like that has such a fixed and closed mindset that they're going to think you're making excuses and coming off. And like, if that's really how you feel about how you're being led and like how, how it's coming off, that's not your fault. That's not, I don't know. It's, it makes me sad because I wish too often is unfortunate. Yeah. Um, again, that negative reinforcement. Mm -mm. No, it's not the move. No. Um, do you have any thoughts of like how you would, I mean, obvi- the obvious answer is to find someone else, but what about, what if you can't find someone else? You get creative with how you can find someone else. Yep. I mean, luckily people, some, with the whole COVID thing, people have gotten quite creative about virtual coaching. Yes. Yeah, that's good. Um, and I'm just going to throw this out there. If anybody needs help because they don't have someone in their area that's, um, giving them the instruction they need look me up we can figure out how to do something virtual emily's got it yeah or um i mean like the other thing that i can say is like be really solid with your your mental game and your self-talk and like be able to take away the actual instructions and like kind of create a filter um i was actually um working on a concentration construction model today for like how to help people concentrate. And one of the suggestions was to take irrelevant cues and like mentally use the image of like flushing them down the toilet or using an erase marker on the board. So like if you can build up that practice, that mental game of like as an irrelevant cue of like, oh, your trainer's telling you something just so negative, just flush that down the toilet. And if there's positive training advice in there, take that away but if you feel like all you're getting is negative information you have to flush down and there's no positive thing you're wasting your money at that point yeah i i couldn't agree with you more um and i think i think that's a great visual of like the erasing or flushing down the toilet however you want to think about that um and I think that ties into like having a bit of a meditation practice. Like doing that is going to help you in real life, right? You know, like if you can sit quietly and when negative thoughts come in, like let them just drift away. Then hopefully, when you're in a situation like that, you're more easily able to let things go or flush them or erase them. Right. Um, well, this concept ties really well into our listener question, Emily. Yes. Um, do you want to read it? Do you, do you want me to? I can. I can read it. Okay. Um, how do you professionally and or gracefully use an exit strategy when you find yourself under the influence of ineffective leaders, i.e., a boss, teacher, or coach who make who takes their emotions out on others, belittles instead of encourages while teaching, etc. So these are two different people that kind of reached out about the same topic, which just makes me a little bit sad because it it's clearly an issue. Yes, and I think we've seen this in our own experiences yes, as well. absolutely. Um, I think it is all too common. And um, again, this kind of ties into what we said earlier. My personal advice would be start with an honest conversation and clearly explain how you're experiencing the relationship, you know, the student coach relationship or whatever. 
like what you feel like you're is happening okay like from your point of view there's always two sides to every story but the first thing you can do is explain how their negative instruction is making you feel or how it's not helping or ask them an open-ended question and say how yeah. do you think I feel when you say that oh I love that mm-hmm. that's great and then I think once you explain how you're feeling you let them have time to respond and you listen like you don't even if in your mind you're keep a, it's just, it's on you to keep a really level head throughout this process because yeah. if you get reactive that's just going to escalate the oh, situation sure. yeah so you just need to listen and take it even if you don't like it listen and then once they're done talking if it's clearly they're coming to it with a closed mind like you said earlier it's probably not worth investing no. any more time and effort into that relationship now if you notice that they're like, oh, I didn't realize that when I did that. It made you feel that way. Like, how can we, like, if they're open to it, great. Boom, baby, work there with you it. Go. You talk, you talk it through, and you may, it's a process, right? Like, you may have to come back to that subject a couple times, but that's the best case scenario, right? Like, you work it out. But sometimes it's just not a good match, and, um, like, that's okay. It doesn't have to take away from you. Like, you don't need to feel like a bad rider because it doesn't work out. And, you know, hopefully it doesn't take away from them. But if at the same time, if they're giving you all this negativity, I don't have a ton of um, sympathy for them. But anyway, it, it sometimes it's just not a good fit. Yeah. Right? And you can, it's okay. Like, there's more opportunity out there. And as far as how to be professional and graceful about the situation, um, you know, a lot of, be, be mindful. A lot of horse trainers are, um, you know, making their living based on how many horses they have in the barn. Make sure you give like solid notice, say, Hey, like, you know, next month I'm going to be moving my horse here. Like, I'm really sorry. It just isn't, you know, working out for me. I need to do X, Y, like, and hopefully yeah, you've had in the middle of the night that's no yeah well. hopefully you've had like previous conversations before and it doesn't go over now if at that point the person turns bitter and says just get off my farm then you leave and you don't think about them ever again but you can do everything that you want to do um like even working student positions like give I gave a hundred days notice at my last job to make sure that everything every time I've ever left somewhere I make sure all my ducks are in a row I say I'll help you interview someone to take my position. I'll make sure I'm here to train them. Like, I don't want to leave you empty-handed. And That's how you leave on good terms. Yeah. And you really want to try to avoid burning bridges mm -hmm. because it might not work right now, but maybe sometime down the line you'll need to have a relationship with that person again. Yeah, so, it's a small world, so. Yeah, and just handling it in a way that you... Um, like protects your values you know what I mean like if you really value kindness then handle this situation in a kind way and there you go like you've done what you can do you've stayed true to yourself yep. true to your values and that that's all you can do at the end of the day drop you, the mic exactly so actionable advice all right Think about someone that you consider to be a great leader. What qualities do you admire about that person? What could you do to apply those to your own interactions with people to be a better leader for people or horses in your life? It's a good little journal prompt. And I think that like, I don't know, sometimes like actually taking a pen and paper out and like writing these things down seems a little cheesy, but I found like definitely in times when I'm feeling like unsure about things, like just just taking out a piece of paper and, and putting it on paper helps me, you know, get some process clarity and process. And, and I agree. Uh, I really should make more time for journaling, mm -hmm. but whenever I do it, I find it super helpful. 110%. Yeah. Um, All right. So what's next? Take that as your journal prompt, people. Okay. All right, what is next? Well, we are doing a clinic in Green Bay, Wisconsin, September 12th and 13th at North Star Equestrian at Greenfield Farm. So we've been talking about this, it's getting close, we're getting excited. 
Uh, we still have some spots available, so if you're listening to this before those dates and you're in Wisconsin, come and see us. We'd love to have you. So much fun. I can't wait. Yeah. Uh, God, read about our article if you want to hear more about all the fun things or that we do. to our conversation. Exactly. Um, we are still, you know, wanting to have more experts on our show that tie into our four pillars, mindset, fitness, nutrition, and community. Um, if you or anyone you know would fit the bill, send us an email at theholoquestrian.com. If you want to sponsor an episode, that's always really helpful. Helps us with the background stuff of the website, the microphones, everything that we do to get out to you guys. So um, even just a small sponsorship, we can shout out products on the show. We can shout out people on the show. If you just want to like support the whole equestrian and get a cool little shout out, I'll sing you happy birthday if we'll you want. We'll do whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. I mean, as long as it fits into our four pillars. Yeah. And our, and our values. And our values. As well. So, <laughs> yeah. I suppose there's a little... There's, there's a catch. There is a catch. We won't do... Anything. Check but us. We'll do a lot. Yeah, check us out on Instagram. <laughs> Hit us up. We love hearing from you guys. It really makes our days. Yeah, it really does. I um, I was at I guess it was Fair Hill last weekend, and some lovely lady came up to me in warm up and was like, "I love your podcast." I love and it I when that like, happens. Thank you. Yeah, it's pretty great. So we do love that. We love connecting with you guys. Okay. So we hope that this episode gave you some insight on what effective leadership looks like and hopefully gave you some ideas on how to apply it to your own life um please be sure to check us out subscribe give us a five-star review all the things all the things we have high hopes for you listeners anyway thanks for listening we're here bridging the gap between riding and wellness and in the meantime enjoy the ride